All right, welcome to Seishura of the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I am Scoot Magoo. And, uh, well, it's, we, uh, I mean, the title says it all, the, the, what I'm going to title this episode, but uh, we, we just we just saw Billy Joel over at Fenway Park on uh, September 14th. And uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was awesome, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I thought that, mean scott could spend a uh an episode just sort of unpacking our thoughts about it and sort of see where that all takes us um so basically before we get to the meat of the discussion i guess uh scott what what were your like did you have any expectations going into this you know all the live footage i've seen of billy joel is older uh, some of it's like new-ish, mm. but not not within the last ten or even twenty years. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, like I I watched some great um, kind of more theater-sized shows, which for him are you know relatively small or smaller than what he usually does. And like you know, kind of the riffing he would do, um, you know, on Piano Man, for example, was was just awesome. Uh, but you know, when you get to artists that are a little bit older, there's always you're always with the risk that their voice is just not going to be there. Um, ironically, uh, again, it's been a while, but um, the, the Who, who was playing Friday, you know, we went to the yeah. concert was last Saturday, and, and Friday, the Who were playing. Uh, last time I heard Roger Daltrey sing, it was on, I think VH1 had like a rock and roll hall of fame. Like they, they just did oh, a rock, the, oh, yeah. uh, rock Honors, I think it was called. They, they stopped doing it, which is unfortunate because they were really cool. Okay. Like I, I think the last one I saw, they it was just like a big concert with four great rock stars, and it was... Uh, the Who, um, Heart, ZZ Top, and Ozzy Osbourne. God, I'll say it a million times. Heart is such an underrated band. Yeah, um, and they and and she sounded great. Both you know sounded great. Ozzy what, sounded what, like. What was this? The Kennedy Center Honors? No, this was on okay. like VH1. Just did this. I think they did maybe two or three. It was just a random just rock honors. They just picked four people and they did a concert and like talked about how great they were. Huh. They discontinued it for whatever reason, but it was really cool, obviously, because you had these people performing and you know, Hart they sounded great vocally. Ozzy Osbourne, I mean, he sound he sounds exactly like he's always sounded. You know, uh, I, I not not to tangent too much, but I I, I had on um, uh, Symptom of the Universe on the other day, just mm-hmm. randomly, and like I, Ozzy can sing, dude, like he really can. Um, people give him a lot of shit for not being able to but i feel like you know I, I i think he has the ability i just don't know if he uses it but hey, anyway just <laughs> little side yeah note. i can see that i mean there you know like uh changes is a great um i think just he, him genuinely singing well yeah uh, for example um all i have to say is that you all you know zz, ZZ top isn't really known for their singing but they they sounded fine yeah however roger daltrey just did not he sounded really old, you know, on that. And again, it was on TV, so it was pretty high quality. It wasn't in person, so it's not maybe the best parallel. But you know, there are any number of cases. Like for example, uh, Tony Bennett. Um, yeah. You know, when when he's done some live performances, like when he was doing the big you know, roundabout tour with Lady Gaga, he's. I mean, when he sang, he sounded good, but he couldn't sing for like he couldn't sing full lines even because he's old. And you know, it's not their fault, but. Mm. Obviously, you know, Billy Joel, he's up there. He's 70. He had some, uh, 
you know, his his life choices up to this point mean that, you know, he kind of diminished his health for I mean, a number of years. Some of it isn't is entirely his fault. Like he suffered from numerous car accidents. Yeah, for sure. Uh, things that, like there's that. also that. But but yeah, so so basically you weren't expecting like you know, for him to be like at the height of his powers vocally. Well, also I'm I'm I wasn't really sure because you know again that performance from Hart and other you know older artists I've heard saying they sound fantastic. Actually, we saw um, a Pat Benatar uh, at the the Durham Fair in Connecticut. It was you know my family, Lauren's family. We went and saw her, and she sounded older, and she was not as powerful as she'd been, but she still sounded fantastic. Huh. So you know, I was hoping that Billy Joel would would kind of hit that note because I I you know he he probably could pay, play piano in his sleep. Like he, um, he, you know, like well, it's it's funny you mention that because um, he actually he got into a, one of his car accidents actually like seriously damaged his hands to the point that he actually can't play as well as he used to. I um, I mean not not to get dive into the concert yeah. right away without but like I, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was gonna say like, the same thing, but you know, it's funny that you mentioned just like that this idea of age sort of taking a role in vocals because like. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about like how Ella Fitzgerald, even at the end of her life, she actually, she arguably sounded better than she did in her prime. Huh. Um, you know, whether, what, I personally haven't really listened to any late Ella, so I can't really tell either way. Um, you know, but like vocals can sometimes age like a fine wine and Billy Joel has actually gone on record saying that he actually likes the way his vocals sound nowadays. Um, but you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't know if he's the, you know, always the best judge of that, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, so you, you weren't really sure what to expect though. Yeah. And, and I told, you know, there's definitely, um, thought there was a chance that he could sound perfectly fine. You know, he could sound great. You know, any, there's a whole spectrum that I, I would not have been surprised to hear. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I get you. Um, you know, personally, I, you know, I had known about this. We've had the ticket since like July, I want to say. And uh, from the moment we got them, I was like, this is going to be an entertaining show, but it's not going to be a good show. Is It was my thoughts. But mostly because hmm. um, whenever I had heard Billy Joel live, like, you know, because like sometimes, you know, if um, like, you, you know, how, like Spotify will sometimes do like that um, never ending play oh yeah thing. just they'll you, keep looping yeah they'll, they'll keep you know going whatever yeah which i mean thankfully i turned that off but um i remember at some point i was listening to some sort of live album that he did not too long ago and the vocals it was really bad and maybe it was just because of you know just uh you know it could be in time and circumstance things like that uh but it was it was not very good and just you know for me personally like i i'm not the biggest fan of live music mostly because uh i mean part of it has to do with you know just being with a ton of other people in the same place is is kind of um like terrifying to me on some level um but also i i just consider art to be a very personal thing so it's something i mm-hmm. like to enjoy uh on a more intimate scale so you know all that going into it and i think also just hearing uh other people's live you know like uh live music not to say that billy joel is the same as these people but like for instance like i was listening to like a like a depeche mode song live and like 
Dave Gaughan, despite the fact that he is basically a flawless singer in the studio, was really not great live, in my opinion. Uh, it was really disappointing uh, to listen to, especially like when you have like a favorite song and you expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's part of like you expect it to go exactly like the studio version, when in reality it's probably not going to be like that unless you're mm-hmm. like you know rush you know and and you have like you know you have to have everything like timed up perfectly um but yeah so i i wasn't ex- i was expecting it to be fun because i think you know he has a like billy joel's music just has a way of just being just entertaining just at its core um but i didn't think that it was going to be good and I was so fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I was hoping that was the direction you were. Going. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I mean, the thing is, like, like the so he started off playing a matter of trust. So, at, well, first off, um, the concert was supposed to start at seven thirty. It didn't start until like eight oh five. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I mean, you know, go, go figure. Musicians are never on time, except Actually, when they're not pe- as late as I thought it would go. Like you know, I've, you know, there there are stories of I know Axl Rose is a whole different. Oh level, god, him yeah. starting concerts like hours late. So yeah, no, I mean it's it, it's it's definitely on the better end of things, but I mean still like, but yeah. a, a, anyway, like you know, so when this whole thing started, like you know, the lights just go all all the lights go down, and it's like everybody's like, what's going on, and like. And then just like one spotlight shows up and Billy Joel's right there and he has a guitar and he just launches right into uh, the song A Matter of Trust. Mm -hmm. And I swear from that moment, I was absolutely hooked on this show. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were too busy paying attention to him or if you were looking over at me at all because I wasn't looking over at you at all. I I was singing along with every single song. (laughs) Oh, I noticed. I thought that yeah. was awesome. Honestly. Yeah, and like you know, because I, I know I, I know how much he means to you, how big a fan you've been. So yeah, which I I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, we can touch on that later. But yeah, it was just, it was really just amazing. Um, you know, I I honestly don't know how good he actually was vocally because, you know, it was a really loud concert, and uh, you it know, was I, very loud. And I have you know I've mentioned this before i have very sensitive hearing like i've had a lot of hear like just ear problems uh just you know throughout my entire life so you know i i just have really sensitive ears and so i i don't know if i even heard it the same way that other people did honestly like because like it, it was just it was so loud that i i, I couldn't hear everything going on honestly mm-hmm. um but like what i could make out i really enjoyed you know and you know i um I was really impressed by, you know, the way he just took from his his back catalog, you know, and to the point that he even joked about it, you know. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Because I'd be like, yeah, this wasn't a single, you know, basically, like, yeah, the, you know, I'm, the, I'm, I'm just playing this, you know, he never said this exactly, but you could tell, he was like, I'm playing it because I want to play it. Yeah. Uh, I or, mean, like, he picked it because he knew that, you know, fans, uh, you know, longtime fans, and every single song, um received a warm reception obviously others you know for example when piano man came oh yeah that, that mm-hmm. got the biggest reaction on the night but every I, single song i, 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 I would argue the encore for we didn't start the fire had the biggest reception but hey, anyway you, you were saying <laughs> uh yeah i i could see that i think they were pretty equal um but yeah i think pretty much when every song started people like 
the majority of the crowd recognized it. Um, and honestly, the deep cuts I didn't recognize, which I can't. Obviously, you know how bad I am with track names. Um, I, I thought they were great. Don't worry. I, I have the entire set. List. I saw you. I yeah. saw you. I, I was in the concert. Yeah, yeah. I, will, I mean, I, I just wrote down the entire set list as it came on because I'm like, oh, I, I already know all these anyway. So yeah, exactly. Which is which is really impressive. Uh, but. It, it was really cool to see just yeah him taking from all over his kind of literally the only album he didn't take a song from was his first album, which I I kind of understand because he you know has you know gone on record saying that he doesn't like that album uh even though I, I i think it's really underrated for what it is um but yeah just to the the sheer variety was really cool um you know so basically i'm, I'm just gonna list off um just the set list in order just while we have it but um so matter of trust then pressure the entertainer vienna then it sort of, they sort of had like this little i don't know what would you call it, like a fragment of um more than a feeling like the boston song uh, yeah it like, was it was uh, the you know it was through the, the first chorus yeah it was through the first chorus uh and it was really good it was really really good uh even though it was just like you know a snippet um then ballad of billy the kid moving out sleeping with the television on which i was really surprised to hear that um yeah that one that was the one of the ones where he said um you know this isn't a single you know we're just playing to play it that was one of my favorite songs of the night like yeah, i thought that was awesome it, it's i mean it's from uh glass houses it's on the uh it's, i think it's on like the back end of glass houses it's it's a great song yeah i mean um so that uh the down easter alexa which i i i'm assuming that you like the song a little more nowadays but uh, that was that was good. Yeah, I know, I know we <laughs> joked about it during the during the concert, but yeah, that was very good. Well, well, when you said it, I just look over and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, here we go. And, and no, it was. I was. I listened to that at a time. We talked about it at a time where that was not, not really something or a style that I could say. I, was I, 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 I look. I, I don't blame you. Like, I, I think, like, um, criticisms of Billy Joel's music. It mostly comes down to him being very cheesy, um, which I can see. I don't personally agree with, but I I can see what you know w- what they mean, and I mm-hmm. I think Down Easter Lex is a, a good example of that in a way because it just you know if you're not in the right mood, it can feel very like schlocky, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so after that song, New York State of Mind, uh, Allentown, uh, a cover of the Beatles song, I Feel Fine. Um, Big Man on Mulberry Street, uh, Don't Ask Me Why, My Life, Sometimes a Fantasy, Always a Woman, Only the Good Die Young, uh, River of Dreams, which had like this strange break where they played A Hard Day's Night in full, uh, and then went back to the end of River of Dreams. I thought that was awesome. Which, yeah, it was really cool. I thought it was really cool. I, I had always heard that during, um, during Primus concerts, they would... They would stop during the middle of um, of one of their songs. I I, I, I want to say it was Jerry Jerry was a race car driver, uh, and they would just switch into an not like an entire song entirely, and then go go back to it in the same way, and like I mean it's it, it's it's nothing new. Like um, if you ever watched the or listened to the Zeppelin uh, concert, uh, the song remains the same. Uh, they take an instance of, uh, I want to say it's that little breakdown, whole lot of love, and they end up playing like an entire song 
and then going back to that breakdown. Uh, but it, you know, nonetheless, it was really cool. It was yeah. it was awesome. Uh, then, strangely enough, they had a uh, they did a cover of a Puccini song, uh, Nessun Dorma, with that was uh, beautiful. Yeah, with, with the I think it's the guitarist. Yeah, uh, yep. Mike Mike Del Judas uh, singing on that, which was I I was blown away, like mm-hmm. absolutely just shattered. That I mean, I, I think one that they would even play a Puccini, you know, composition. Uh, but two, just the execution of it was just absolutely incredible. Um, then scenes from Italian restaurant, Piano Man, and then, uh, which was technically the end of the concert, and then he went back for an encore with... Uh, yeah, as if there wasn't going to be an encore. Yeah, I know. Like, come, come on. Yeah. Uh, I always love it. It was a really good, it was a really good encore, too, because, I mean... No, it was. It was fantastic. A, I mean, usually an encore is, like, a couple songs. This was... Okay, so, We Didn't Start the Fire, Uptown Girl, Still Rock and Roll to Me, Big Shot, You May Be Right, and there was sort of um, a little bit of an interlude from uh, the Zeppelin song, Rock and Roll, uh, during the middle of of you may be right um that was the whole concert which was like i mean that that was a solid two hours if not longer mm-hmm. um and i mean for a guy that's 70 years old <laughs> I, I yeah mean, like christ that's um, you know i um i actually went to a concert earlier that week it was uh i hate god and uh <laughs> Uh, why didn't you say anything? I, I, I love hearing about you going to concerts. Okay, because we were with your parents who were both very religious, so and I didn't the, want to the, be like... Like, okay, to, to be fair, that's just my mother, okay? Uh, or at least she, she she's the one that's that's prudish about it. My, my my dad couldn't give less of a shit either way. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be like, hey, guess who I saw? I hate... You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, you, okay, you could have said to be like, oh, yeah, that's a metal band. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just... I always... I always err on the caution. Like, for example, uh, every Monday at work, we have a team meeting and we say what we did that weekend. And the weekend that I saw a dying fetus, I went, to a metal, I went to a metal show and they were like, who'd you see? And I said, it's not safe for work. And they were like, okay. Yeah, I, 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 say, went, like, I went to see Burzum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't want to say like, hey, hey, hey boss, like who pays me? Uh, guess who I saw? Dying, dying fetus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, all that to say that they, you know, that they're in older bands, and you know, obviously it might not be fair because I got as it was the small venue, not the same pole as Billy Joel. Yeah, but like to have um, to have him play that long and just like keep it up um, versus you know seeing some people who are you know around his age or a little bit younger. Um, you know, not play for nearly as long. I mean, I, it was just the, the it, dudes it was from cool. I Hate God are what, like, probably like fifty, right? Yeah, I, I think they're probably you know fifties, sixties, whatever. Yeah. Uh, also, a side note: um, the open there was a local opening band, and then the band that had been touring with them it was short, short New England tour was Come to Grief, which okay. are the it's the founding member, and he has some other people who play with them of a really underrated doom band called Grief. And their debut album was called Come to Grief. And now they, you know, they got the band back together. Um, I found them through, you know, Decibel Magazine? Yeah. yeah. They do, you know, different, 100, they did 100 Greatest Death Metal Albums, Black Metal Albums. They did 100, 100 Greatest Doom Metal Albums. And the cover is like super cliche, like pot leaves and like weird, like <laughs> occult imagery. Um, and like the album is fan- like literally one of my favorite Doom Metal Albums. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't have a segue, but Billy Joel. Yeah. But well, well, 
Well, oh yeah, so we were just talking about eight. just the, yeah. like the fact that he played for two and a half hours and was fantastic. You know, and obviously, yeah. I, I, you know, I've seen a bunch of other younger bands that haven't played for nearly as long. So, yeah, uh, it's always and it, it felt good. Like when I saw Father John Misty, he played for two and a half hours, and it was engaging and you know awesome and well paced throughout. And I, it just to play that long, and I wasn't bored one one bit. You yeah, know, I, I me was either. engaged the entire time. He perfectly paced you know what songs he played in terms of um you know nothing any of his songs are like super fast or anything like that but you know the upbeat versus the kind of you know mid-tempo to the slower ballads and something else i liked is the fact that um you know some songs they're much sparser in the studio they fleshed out with uh different instrumentation yeah uh, which i thought was awesome it was cool to hear you know you definitely got the feel of what the song you know how you're, you're used to hearing the song but in a slightly different light and yeah like, i really um, appreciate that about the concert. like for instance i probably the biggest one for me was down easter alexa because um you know you there's a lot of studio effects in that like you know you hear like seagulls and waves and stuff like that yeah and then there's a violin solo uh, which instead they did a guitar solo, which mm-hmm. went over fantastic. Which oh yeah, can we talk about the backing band? Because they were all like super tight. They oh were, yeah, they were fantastic. fantastic. I mean, I mean, look, Billy was Billy was great. You know, vocal wise, piano wise, especially like it was really surprising seeing how versatile he was still. Um, mm-hmm. But the backing band was out of this world. Like for sure. 100%. Yeah. Like, and I feel like your dad made a good point that, like, when you see Billy, you're not going to remember. You'll remember, okay, the guitarist wasn't great if, like, that's the case. But um, you're not. I mean, you're going to remember you saw Billy Joel. Not the, I mean, I don't remember any of them. He introduced them all by name. I don't remember any of their names. I, I, um, I wrote a couple of them down because um, a couple of them really impressed me. Um, I ended up looking it up, uh, like, the next day. Uh, but the, the person who came to me uh, who really stood out to me the most was uh crystal uh Tilifero, I, I guess is how you say her name um she was playing uh she's doing a bunch of stuff but uh percussion sax harmonica and backup vocals were mm-hmm. uh the biggest things that i saw which i was really surprised it was really cool to see her do like bongos on like river of dreams but then like ballad billy the kid she does like the intro to that you know, I, I thought that was super cool. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, I mean, Mike Del Judas on guitar, you know, but the, I mean, th- those vocals on the Petunia song were just amazing. Um, Mark Rivera on sax, flute, harmonica, percussion, and vocals as well was really cool. Uh, he really did a great couple of solos on tenor uh, that really surprised me. Um, just... You know, it was, I don't know if you remembered, um, I think it was uh, Still Rock and Roll to me that he was, like, out on, like, the center stage, like, sort mm-hmm. of, like, ducking and weaving, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is pretty funny. Um, yeah. No, I, the, the backing band, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, it should be expected that, you know, I think after you tour for that long, um, you know, and after you've just been a you know a musician of of Billy Joel's caliber for that long that you sort of have an eye and an ear for musicians and sort of who works and who doesn't and you know I, I mean he definitely has the resources obviously to you know get some serious talent but you know it was just really incredible how tight they were 
when it came to just, you know, having some of those changes. Like, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of like, you know, uh, River Dreams with Hard Day's Night through it, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, like that stuff's really tough to do, especially if you're doing like tempo changes and things like that. Like that can be really difficult. So like, you know that they just, they've been working to either. I mean, I, I feel like they've been working together for a long, long time, but I mean, I think they just practice a lot too, which is, you know, just super cool. To yeah. see that, like you know, they, they, they care about what they're doing. You know, I, I think you know, you can call Billy Joel, you know, cheesy, you know, schmaltzy, whatever, you know, what have you, but you can't deny that the guy really puts his heart into everything he does. So yeah, and it's really commendable that, I mean, some of these songs, it's hard to even quantify how many times he's performed them live, you know, in oh, yeah. studio, rehearsal, like the, just the sheer number of, like Piano Man, for example. I mean, it, I don't even, like thousands upon thousands of times. I, see, I, I don't know, because like, I, I've, I remember seeing somewhere that he notoriously didn't play the song live, but Interesting. I also saw that, I guess he closes concerts with it now, for the most part. I so, feel like that's, when you reach that level of, I mean, everyone knows that song. Yeah. And just like, to not play it live, I think everyone would be disappointed to an extent. And the fact that there was that huge single, I got a great video of it. Uh, I don't usually take videos of concerts, but I, I had a feeling that there was going to be a great moment there. And the, just the when the music cuts out and he doesn't play and like the whole the entirety oh, yeah. of Fenway, Fenway Park was singing. Oh, that was fantastic. You know, the, that's a good segue to just, you know, concerts in general. Because, you know, I, I, I said earlier that I'm not the biggest live person you know this is actually the first show i've seen in over a decade you know the last show i went to see was uh tool back in 2008 you know but, mm-hmm. but back when they were still touring for 10,000 days amazingly enough um which is really weird to think about by the way because it's like yeah like we literally see billy we, we literally i'm seeing a concert right after fear inoculum comes out uh just kind of strange but you know it's never been um a big thing for me to do just because i i think first off money is it can be really expensive depending on what show you're going to um then second you know i i think just the crowds is just a, a lot it's a big stressor for me like i suffer from a lot of anxiety uh you know not as much as i used to but like to be in a massive crowd uh is kind of a trigger for me and it's the same thing with loud noises and so mm-hmm. like you know the concert has all three of these things in spades yeah. you know um and this time i don't know like i i think this was like the i mean th- this was the first concert i really went to where i felt like i was like a conscious music listener because like you know when i went to go see tool like i was still in high school you know i was like i was a freshman in high school and um you know, I, I think I had one Tool album. I think I had 10,000 Days. I don't even think I listened to all of it by the time I'd gone to that show. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it was, you know, it, it was a lot of stuff. Like, you know, like I, I, I wasn't quite at the point where I am now where I've just, you know, spent all this time listening to music and really digesting it. So, like, you know, to be there at this concert and, you know, to sort of, to be you know in this crowd of people who just want to enjoy some music and just seeing these people you know i don't know if you noticed but like there are people who were just like dancing the entire concert you know and like um 
you know, they, they had a couple of tracks. I think Always a Woman was the big one for me that I saw that the um, the camera would go over to a bunch of audience members. Um, we Didn't Start the Fire, I think, was another one. Um, you know, that, you know, and you see all these people just, just you know, all together really enjoying this moment together. And it's, you know, it was a really, it was a beautiful moment. Just, you know, it was an, it was an important moment for me because you know just um you know i you, you know how i'm always talking about um sort of how it, it feels like music criticism and like art criticism in general tends to uh highlight and care more about and sort of use as a stick of quality like ruler of quality sort of conceptuality and philosophy mm-hmm. um you know, it's and th- th- that's something I always think about. In that, I, I mean, I've thought about writing like cause I, I've written, I've written an essay about this very thing probably three or four times now because I can never get it quite right. And I'm after going to this concert, I, I felt like inspired to try to write it again. Um, but you know, with the added thing that like you know, just look look at this. Like you know, art doesn't have to be like this deep conceptual, you know thing where it's just like convoluted as hell where you know you have to make be making some sort of political point you know where everything has to mean something and you know have greater context than what it is you know it it, it can just be something it can be really fun it it can just be something to enjoy and like you know you, you can't just you can't look at a concert like that and all these people enjoying this and people who you know range from our age and you know younger than that all the way to people, you know, the seniors, you know, enjoying this, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't look at this and, you know, deny that art, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, to, to say that there is like this, like that, that this is somehow lesser than like, say like, um, I don't like, I mean, the, the obvious one's like a liturgy, you know, concert or something like that, <laughs> like just, just something that that's like, so given to conceptuality that it kind of loses itself in the process mm-hmm. you know like it's just impossible to deny that there are that there is no real ruler to quantify quality in art and uh you know that it's it's more important you know than anything to just enjoy it because that that's what it's there for you know it's it's there to experience like experience is is the key to this it's not about it's not about what you experience in life it's about how you experience it mm-hmm. so yeah um, i think what's and this may be more of a tangent than i think but yeah. what's what really contributes to the magic of that is the kind of what your dad and you know we were talking about before the show um you know he is one of a of select group of really transgenerational mm. artists like he just you know obviously not you know the beatles are another one i can think of off the top of my head and we were trying to talk about it but they're you know what other bands might fit there are yeah, very few artists he he said aerosmith i highly disagree doesn't really warrant a comment so i think i'm gonna move on yeah because uh, i <laughs> but anyway uh, well, no are you not an aerosmith fan or uh my mom grew up listening to them and i think they're i think they're okay um, yeah no I, I, i'm in agreement i say this as someone who's read their their biography twice i think 
and you know who has parents who used to watch them practice <laughs> and you know like i used to own a copy of rocks back in the day you know just i, I was really embarrassed with in high school but anyway um I, I just don't think that it really belongs and you know that was i think it's more of a bias on his part but you know we could be equally biased anyway moving yeah on. but i i think kind of to your point where you're saying uh there are very few artists that multiple multiple generations like for you know from the moment Billy Joel debuted until present day you know I think virtually every generation there you know people know his songs you know they may, it may yeah. be you know my experience with the Beatles as I've talked about countless times in the podcast um, where I was like oh I know you know once I listened to it and you know with you actively listen to it I'm like oh I know that song I've heard that song a million times um, but you know people know people know piano man people know we didn't start the, you know people just know these songs they're yeah, uh, excuse me. They're not not only a part of our just our the, our culture to an extreme degree, but they're just great songs. Like he just yeah. is such an exceptional songwriter. Actually, before I uh, the concert leading up, I my mom lent me his OG greatest hits collection. You know, it's yeah. a two, two CD, and I listened to that over. And he just the way the lyrics he writes, the way he sings them, the way he weaves them with music. He just is such an exceptional songwriter. And the song that I was you know as the concert was. You know, at the tour, I forget what moment, but it was towards the end. I was just thinking, like, he's one of America's greatest songwriters. Like, he just oh, yeah. is such a phenomenal voice. And to the fact that he hasn't released new music since, um, like 92, basically. Yeah. And, and his concert sounded, songs that he's played a million times that I've heard a million times, you know, they sounded fresh. It was invigorated. It was just, it was a fantastic show. Um, yeah. And we haven't talked to this point, but like the experience, the specific experience we had going to the show, I mean, that certainly helped. It was a really, really nice, um, nice time and a really great environment. Yeah. Um, which so yeah much, I mean, Fenway Park's been there to see the, the Sox play, but never been there for a concert. It was a great venue. Your dad yeah. got, you know, great box seats. Yeah, uh, we, we, we were lucky enough to get really, really nice seats where we're like, we were up on... Um, you know, uh, I, I, I guess we were like, yeah, technically in boxes, but we were up on like these stools on, uh, you know, looking over uh, everybody else. It was, it was, it was odd seating, but I really liked it because like, I, you know, I, I liked it too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was nice to be able to just like lean forward and be able to like have a drink that you can just rest on the bar top in yeah, front of you. Exactly. So, uh, but, and, yeah. and also something else that was, uh, if it was, this isn't really a criticism. It's super minor, but I'm glad we sat there because this is, I mean, I don't know if you can visualize, if you're listening, you can visualize Fenway Park, but we were like, you know, basically right in the very back, very top, more or less. Um, well, I, and but it was, what, what we mean by, so basically if anybody knows Fenway Park, um, they use basically the outfield for the very, very back of the outfield, sort of mm-hmm. in the center of the green monster for the stage. So we were, over uh near home plate technically uh though we were much higher and back a little bit but yeah yeah and um it was you, you i think you were gonna say a lot like you you were lucky that we didn't yeah, say anywhere it, else yeah th- thank you yeah lost my train of thought that i'm even when we were there which is pretty far back it was really loud it like, was to the point where like really in my loud. head it like 
there are sometimes when I leave concerts, especially when I was younger, before I started wearing, you know, earphones, where like it's just you could barely hear after the show. Oh yeah. Uh, this it wasn't that bad. I can't imagine what it was like sitting right next to the stage. Oh yeah. Like, I can't no. imagine sitting there without headphones. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's a huge criticism. Obviously, I think they just. I mean, I thought the quality sounded really good. I've heard that the sound quality of Fenway can be. Um, not great and i that was not thankfully not our or at least not my experience i thought yeah, it sounded I, great. I, I didn't really hear any issues i, I think there was yeah. a couple times where like some feedback was coming in but i you know that that's something it's a that huge like huge protection to put on so there's yeah. gonna be there's gonna be a little slip up yeah and i mean like i think part of that like it, that, that's also like uh you know the sound um you know soundboard's job yep. you know to does deal with as well so um what was I just gonna say? Oh, but yeah, like afterwards, my I mean, my ears really hurt. I mean, they they pretty much hurt for like Sunday, all of Sunday, too. It was, and like you know, I mean, it was, it, it like it felt like I had an ear infection, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yikes! Like yeah, um, it, I could totally feel that. Yeah, like it was, it, it was not a great feeling, but the thing is, like, it, it was still worth it. So, um, you know. It's just, I like. It's funny because I, you know, I I, I think there's, I, I think if you know, you, you were saying that like you know you knew the Beatles from like an early age, but you weren't your parents weren't really a fan of them per se, so you don't really mm-hmm. get into it a whole lot. See, but my parents were really big Billy Joel fans even from the start. So like, I mean, I I can remember the first time I ever heard Piano Man, and it's a memory that I will take with me for the rest of my days. And, you know, but that being said, there was a time that I really didn't like Billy Joel, or at least that my, um, my interest in him was really not there. Like, I, I just got kind of tired of it. And I, I think maybe that was because my parents only played, you know, I, I think they only had, like, the greatest hits. And then they also had, like, I think Stormfront, but we never listened to anything, like, past, like, I go to Extremes, which is, like... I want to say like the third or fourth track in, in in the album. So like, you know, but my 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 you know knowledge of his music was very limited, and what I'd heard, I was kind of tired of. Um, you know, and it was just you know, it, it was just cool to be able to see him in a state of mind that I actually really appreciate his music because I think it, mm. you know it, it, if I had went like back in let's say like 2013. I, I probably would have hated the concert, to be totally honest. Um, you know, it, well, I mean, I, I think I've talked about sort of how I sort of got to, like, like enjoy his music again. Um, I don't know if we, we, we want to go over that again, because I feel like it can get really melodramatic. But uh, uh, what, what, what do you want to do, Scott? <laughs> no, go ahead. I mean, yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel like... I mean, if, if anybody listens to this, if, if anyone's a regular listener, I think I've I think I've told the story before that um, back in 2015, I graduated uh, from college and I went straight to grad school in uh, right in the middle of Manhattan. And uh, as a New England boy, a suburban New England boy, I uh, was terrified out of my mind to be just plopped in, you know, the biggest city in the country. Uh, right in the heart of it and not really sure what to do with myself and things like that and so you know uh, as I said before I have a lot of problems with anxiety and things like that so 
it was a really rough couple of weeks even getting acclimated to the city and you know it ended up not working out for me i ended up dropping out of grad school actually um but it was near the end of that time that i i can remember just sort of walking through manhattan just randomly because i i didn't have anything else to do like i would just put on uh my my, my dad's pair of uh, Bose headphones that he'd let me borrow with like the, you know, the noise canceling on them. And I just walk around and I mean, I, I had no idea where I was going, but like, you know, since, since Manhattan has a grid for the most part, I just kind of stuck to it and just kind of walked around, didn't really care who I came across, you know, and uh, it, it's, it's really lonely. Like it's really weird to think that like the biggest city in the, in the country is lonely but it really is like it's it's really isolating you know Mm -hmm. and um so i remember i was thinking of new york state of mind one day and i think i just put it on and i ended up just listening to all this stuff um you know again or uh, a good portion of especially like the stranger but new york state of mind was really the big one because i think you know uh billy joel had similar circumstances with that that like that that song is all about coming back to New York, um, mm-hmm. because you know um, b- while he was writing it, uh, he had actually tried to escape his contract uh, by fleeing to Los Angeles, and it, it's actually where he wrote uh, Piano Man as well. Uh, you know, sort of working at this piano bar and just kind of like a nobody, you know, and um, he ended up. Basically, he put out like I think like two more albums um, in LA, and then came back to New York to put out uh, Turnstiles. But or he he might have been in LA during Turnstiles. I, I but it was it was during this time that he you know living in Los Angeles, I think, and living in California really took a toll on him. And so you know, New York State of Mind is primarily just a song about you know sort of realizing where your home really is. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and so it was, I really connected with that, even though it was talking about exactly sort of the opposite trajectory in, in a sense. Uh, you know, it, it just really spoke to me because it was, you know, you, you, you could feel his loneliness sort of, and you, you can actually feel it in other tracks too. Um, there's a track called uh, Los Angelinos that, you know, y- you sort of get the idea that he's kind of getting fed up with New York or with, uh, with L.A., Mm-hmm. Um, and that song is, it, that's actually one of my favorite songs, which, uh, we'll, we'll get to, I, I want to talk about something in a little bit, but, um, you know, just listening to all that, you know, it was, I didn't feel as alone, you know, in New York mm-hmm. and that just meant the world to me. And, uh, mm-hmm. I remember when I went home for Thanksgiving, I, we, I think, were, were you part of that? I think me and you, we both went over to the CD store and I ended up buying like five billy joel albums or something like that i think i remember that yeah yeah i ended up buying like a bunch of them and um you know just listening to them on like the train back to new york and uh you know it was just it it was just so you know it was just what i needed and i think since i ended up dropping out of school um I, i ended up going into like a serious depression um and you know it was it was billy joel it was like people like him and john zorn and like these people who were just so dedicated to their art that they're willing to risk their lives for it that really honestly i think kept me alive during this time mm-hmm. um you know so you know i i i owe billy joel a lot in a way so you know um I, it was just 
again, it, it, it's cool to have this experience, um, you know, before seeing him. Because I, I just appreciate it even more now. For sure. No, I mean, the entire time I could tell just the way you were... Um... <laughs> you, the, 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 there were a couple times, I think it was... Um, Oh, is when he was before he played the Entertainer. He was he was riffing a little bit about, um, you know, how he doesn't really he doesn't have a new album or anything like that, and like how he was like, yeah, this is from Street Life Serenade, and like I don't know if you heard me, but I was like, fuck yes, yeah, I heard you, yeah, yeah that was so funny. The, the, that's like, I I think that that's a really underrated album, uh, and he was even like, yeah, he's like, it, it I'm I'm going to be honest, it bombed, you know, <laughs> like, which is. Really funny, but you know, it's just there were a couple of choice picks, which brings me to what I wanted to talk about. Uh, which was, you know, but were there any tracks that you really wanted to hear that you didn't hear? Um, I'm trying to think, but I don't, I don't think at first I thought I wasn't going to hear We Didn't Start the Fire, and I did because I'm a, I'm a total plebe, and I <laughs> love that song. Um, I think when you at one point, maybe we talked about this before, I forget. But towards the end, I was like, okay, I feel like we're getting towards the end. Is he going to play Piano Man? Because you might have mentioned that he doesn't really play that live. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the, the, that's what I thought. And I was really surprised to hear it. Um, uh, but yeah, I was... Other than that, no. I'm sure you, obviously, you probably have many more. I only have a couple. Because, I see, when I went into this, I, I, was, I was actually thinking about what albums he would pull from the most. And... I had predicted that he would pull from Turnstiles and An Innocent Man the most, which happens to be the two albums he pulled least from, I think, <laughs> if I remember right. Uh, because, let's see, I think he only did, um, yeah, he did Uptown Girl, which was the only song off of Innocent Man that he played. And New York State of Mind was the only track off of Turnstiles that he played. Uh which I, I was really hoping for more Turnstile songs. Uh, there are some really good tracks on there. Specifically, um, Summer Highland Falls is just a beautiful, beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, same thing with Miami 2017. You know, uh, Saw the Lights Go Out on Broadway. Um, I, I was really hoping that he would play that because I, I you know, I, I actually have a copy of um, Songs in the Attic, and which is uh, like a live album that he did. Uh, which he plays that in it. And, I mean, it, it was around that time, so, like, I get it. But I was sort of hoping that he would play that more. And, like, um, same thing with, you know, uh, what's the other Oh, um, Angry Young Man. But apparently that uh, that introduction to that song is so uh, just tough to do that they usually, he'll usually open a concert with it because he'll be too tired to do it otherwise. Mm-hmm. So it was... Um, yeah, I don't know. There were a couple little tracks like that. It's like um, I don't, he pulled a lot from the album "The Bridge" too, which I was really surprised. Uh, Big Man on Mulberry Street and Matter of Trust both come from that. And uh, I, when he brought up Big Man on Mulberry Street, I thought he was going to play this song called uh, "Baby Grand" that he originally uh, he on the album uh, Ray Charles is on it. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, it, and it's. It's such a gorgeous song, and it's it's sort of all about just, you know, uh, life may suck, but you've always had that you always have this piano with you, in a way. Like it's I I thought he was gonna play that, but Big Man on Mulberry Street is a great track, so um, you're not I'm not complaining. But 
Yeah. So I, I, I mean, there were a couple songs I would love to hear, but still, I thought, you know, considering that the guy has like twelve albums and he only he played from eleven of those albums, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's pretty damn cool. You know, you, you got to give him props. And I would also, we haven't talked about this, but I think just the presentation of those, like, like you know, just the visual, the visuals that were available, um, you know, and sort of the way the visuals worked with the show, I thought was really cool. Um, I, I didn't expect that at all, honestly. Um, I, I expected more to be like more like meat and potatoes, like we weren't going to hear something like that mm-hmm. or went see something like that, really. Um, but, you know, it was really cool to see some of those. Like, I, I think the coolest one was We Didn't Start the Fire, where they had pictures of every single person that yeah, they talked about in the lyrics. that was really cool. The, that, that was, was really awesome. cool. The, there were some that were a little cheesy that, that weren't really, you know, I, I was like, okay, this is kind of lame. Like, uh, like moving <laughs> out, I, I thought was like a little, it was like, okay. Like, um, or even uh, it, maybe Allentown to a certain extent. Um, but like scenes from an Italian restaurant, I think was really cool. Like to just sort of the way they wove in the visuals to that song, just because I, I think that that's such a lyrical song, you know, and just like, um, I, I think, I think th- that's part of what makes his music. I think so magical though, is, is that, you know, it instantly evokes all these images to you, or at least to me it does. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, in scenes from an Italian restaurant, I mean, I'm thinking of that Italian restaurant, but I'm also thinking of like these two people that they're that he's singing about and like sort of their life and you know things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. It was it was just a great. It was a great concert. Um, there's one other thing I was just thinking about that I totally forgot to bring up and I don't remember it, but that's fine. <laughs> Do you, do you have anything else that uh, you wanted to say? No, just I mean, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to see him. I mean, I've always wanted to go to a concert at Fenway. I mean, Billy Joel is someone um, I've always admired his music and thought, you know, it might be nice to see him someday. I don't think I'll ever be able to afford it and the ability to, you know, go see him and, and see him with someone who loves him as much as you know you do. Yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, the, the performance was great. It was definitely one of the best concerts I've been to. And um, I don't know, it, it's it's always, uh, it, it gives you a new appreciation for someone's music when you, you see them. Um, you see them live? Yeah. And I've, actually, I, I wrote a piece for the blog about this. I don't like when people say, uh, like this is actually something that was spawned by uh, a conversation I saw about fish uh, that like you have to see them live to get it quote unquote and I don't like when people say that like I don't think you know I think there's a number of barriers to seeing a concert that and, and obviously the concert experience and the album experience are very different so I don't really like when people say that and I don't think it's a great parallel I I, I see I would agree with you for the most part but I feel like jam bands are probably like the one place where that argument breaks down honestly I can see that but then I don't think that, I don't think that necessarily translates to enjoying their albums because I have seen some live footage of fish and it was really cool and then I've listened to their albums before like one or two of their albums before and it just it didn't do nearly as much for me well exactly um, that, that, that's why in a way because you know it's 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 sort of just not like like the, there's a big improvisational element sure. to jam music so i think that e- even though you can capture some of that in the studio i think that a lot of that comes from being on stage 
Yeah. I think the angle I'm taking is that, like, you know, and people said it to me about some more technical bands. Like, I don't really like their music. Like, oh, you, you see them live, you'll get it. Oh, and yeah. Okay. I, it, I don't... But if, I don't think... Sorry, you, you, you go. Like, that's not inherently, like, going to translate back. Like, you like them live, okay, I get it, but, like, I'm still not going to enjoy their, their albums, per se. Yeah. Like, I, um... Like, because I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily disagree. Because you know, seeing a band like Fish live, I totally get that that's a cool experience. But I don't think that means that you're going to go home and it's suddenly. I mean, it might, but I don't think it's, it's yeah. That it's going to click. I I, um, I think where I'm, I think, I think anybody who who makes that argument that's like, oh, you don't get it. Like I I fucking hate that personally. In, in general, yeah. Yeah. Really, um, I I I think what I mean with jam bands is just that, like, you know, you. Seeing them live and hearing them on the record are two very different things, even though sure. it's the same people playing it. Um, like, yeah. So, for me, um, the the I guess the parallel I was going to make is, yeah. for example, when I saw Father John Misty, pure comedy had just come out, and I listened to it a few times and I liked it, but I didn't give it a close listen. And seeing him live just really like I loved the songs, I loved hearing them, and then. It made me want to go back and listen to the mm. their, his his music, <laughs> listening to Billy Joel and like songs I hadn't heard for a while or songs I had never I don't think I've heard before that I'm like man these are fantastic. It made me want to listen to his music. Like I didn't necessarily come away you know quote unquote getting Billy Joel more, but I just my appreciation was um, intensified and I just really. Um, I'm just really excited. Like next time I go to the CD store, I'm I'm gonna go right to the Billy Joel section. Like he just had yeah. so many, he has so many great songs that I would love to, in, you know, especially knowing, you know, hearing the deep cuts, quote unquote deep cuts for the first time and really enjoying those. I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah, I know. I totally get you. Like after I, I like literally the day after the concert, I I had the opener. Uh, I was playing the opener like three or four times in a row, just because <laughs> it's it's just that great of a song. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I I yeah. It, it was a great experience you know it was it was a really cool experience with you so you know, yeah no and um, you really can't thank you enough for inviting me to come yeah along. man of course I, I wouldn't go with anybody else so it's <laughs> um, very nice to hear yeah so uh let, let's talk about albums of the week uh scooter yeah you got an album of the week for me um got a new car because we're, we're moving and i i have been able to walk to work um and uh we're moving to a place where that's just not gonna that just can't do that anymore yeah um so we were driving around kind of getting you know, breaking in the wheels and i grabbed one of my favorite drive and actually i listened to it on the way home from the, the the concert it's one of my favorite driving albums it's a really really um great great project from a band that I, i've had mixed feelings about uh, it's uh, Jamie XX in color. Oh. Uh, it's just a really cool, chill micro house album. Uh, it's a little uneven. There are songs I like a lot more than others, but just as yeah. mood, mood music, especially at night when you're driving, it's just so like the textures and the ambiance are just phenomenal. Yeah, that, that's uh, I really a great album. And what I love about some of the songs feel like they simultaneously feel like remixes of. Remixes slash kind of improvements on the XX's formula because obviously he's he's part of that band and this is that this is a solo project, um, but in, in the other states they, they feel like their own fresh unique songs so it has a really cool vibe um, and I'm really I was pleasantly surprised because I always had a mixed relationship with the XX I like some of the songs in their debut and I feel like they just got really 
the music has always been okay to me, but their vocals are just so blasé and and monotone. Like I feel like with po- you know with post punk in general, when you not that they're post punk, but like the deadpan vocals fit because they make them fit the music and the way the delivery goes. Yeah. But the XX is more melodic, so it just it kind of it just doesn't for some reason it doesn't vibe with me. So I was really glad when I first heard um, this album, and actually I was introduced to him because he did a remix album with Gil Scott Heron. The, the famous jazz poet slash wait you know, seriously he did he did a remix album and it's really wait, really wait, cool I, I was this like he remixed Gil Scott Heron or he collaborated and remixed Gil Scott Heron um, because I, I'm he, pretty sure Gil Scott Heron's been dead for some th- time this came this came out a while ago I'm pretty sure I'm looking he took Gil Scott Heron's most recent album and this again was several years ago and then remixed those songs um, I don't think I think that they worked on it together to an extent but mainly it was just him remixing an existing album um okay. but it's really cool and he used that to make uh the song take care by drake he produced that beat and it was based on a remix he did from that album and you can hear gil scott heron's vocals on kind of the, the ending bridge to that song so that got me excited about this album and ever since i first you know from the first one when i heard i think it's a fantastic album um, definitely a little uneven. Uh, I think there there are more ideas I wish he explored more than other ideas that are on there. But it's it's a really really great project. Yeah. So I'm looking into this. It's um, yeah. So it, it was while uh, you know Gil Scott Heron was alive, but he actually died the same year that this thing came out. So yeah, and I have no idea how they you know how they linked up, but it's yeah. a really it was a really cool idea, really well executed in my opinion. Nice, nice. So I have to ask you before I get to mine. Um, like when you think of an album of the week, do you already have one in mind, or do you just kind of like pull off the top of your head? Or... Um, actually, I I used to like when we really first started, you know, relaunched this podcast. I and uh, I think it was a few episodes in you had the idea for album of the week, which I thought was a great idea. I would write one down, uh, but now I just as we're talking, I think through. What albums? I want it to be like a gut react. I want it to be like, what's the first thing you think of? Because I listen to so much, you know, my CDs, my Mm -hmm. vinyl, um, and I really want, uh, you know, the first thing that pops to mind, the album that like, what was my favorite album this week? And then boom, there it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's kind of what I've been doing recently, and I I think that I've recommended some cool stuff because yeah, man, um, there's no no shortage of albums I could have picked. Oh yeah, no, I I totally get you. I mean, that's kind of why like. You know, for me picking this thing, I was it, like, I think for me, like, as I'm listening to music throughout the week, just one album usually just pops out, and I'm like, okay, there we go. Like, like it's yeah. sort of like it tells me what the album of the week is yeah. <laughs> in a way. I totally get that. Yeah, and so um, I was actually listening to this in the car as well, uh, and it is my favorite power metal slash symphonic metal album. Uh, it's called uh, the Scarecrow. Uh, the band's called Avantasia um nice yeah um so it's the tobias samet i think is uh he's the front man from the power metal band ed guy or edge guy however you say it Mm. but this is uh, this is really the this is like a solo thing i I actually know him more for this than anything else and this happens to be the only album of his that i can actually stomach (laughs) (laughs) um but i for some reason i love this album i've loved this album since like i was you know in high school i think um you know there are just so many like it's i I, it's it's one of those albums that i think like context is really important at least like by that i mean like 
sort of your current state of mind at the moment of listening to it. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, if you're not, like, in the mood for, like, a power metal album, I, I, I think this can come off as really cheesy. Like, really, I mean, I really cheesy. <laughs> like, uh, I, I mean, just, just, just like, bursting with Gorgonzola. <laughs> mm-hmm. if if you get me um yeah <laughs> because like so i'm uh let me just look this up really quick so just because i like like this is still like i i i had my power metal phase way back in the day and i just i got tired of it really fast but this is the one album that stayed with me from that time um and i'm just still every single time i listen to it i'm just really amazed by it um there's a track called what kind of love which is um just like if you like i'm almost guaranteeing if you listen to this you'd be like oh my god jimmy what the fuck is wrong with you like this is, <laughs> this is cheesy as hell i think it is one of the most beautiful songs ever written um you know so and there, there are a lot of really interesting guest features on here there's um freaking jorn land from uh i think he's from Symph- uh symphony x no uh he's from a bunch of different bands uh but yeah, so he's a, he's a really big power metal singer but Anyway, uh, Alice Cooper actually, out of all people, shows up oh. on this thing uh, on uh, the the track called "The Toy Master." So, but it's I, I love this album so much. I, I think it is just fucking amazing. Um, yeah, and it was just really cool to like listen to this again. So, yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is it for this week. We will be back next week, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we are on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishura Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishura Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.